Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about two zombie films, Night of the Living Dead and Train to Busan. But first, let's catch up. Mackenzie, what's new? Um, I did not come prepared for this. I just remember that. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I can it. start. I can okay, start. you'd go. You go. Um, things I have really liked that I have been watching, reading, and listening to. Um, I just finished uh, this book called The Pisces by Melissa Broder, and it's about a woman who f- has a sexual relationship with a merman. Um, but it's, it's, she's the woman who she runs the Twitter. So sad today. Have you seen that? No. Like you've probably favorited or retweeted a tweet of hers. She's very like (laughs) prolific on Twitter, I guess. Um, she has like this sad girl persona, but the book was, it was good. It was really interesting and it had a very unexpected ending. Um, and I, I thought about it a lot and couldn't decide if I liked it, which I think means I really liked it. And then Tim and I just finished the second episode of the third season of True Detective. Did you watch mm. True Detective season one? No. I fell You're asleep so during the first episode. I respect then... you for that. <laughs> Do you want to say more about True Detective? No, that's fine. I'm watching it. Just okay. know that. <laughs> I'm watching it with a highly skeptical eye. Okay. I'm very skeptical of True Detective. All right. Go on. Uh, so I guess I want to shout out to other podcasts that I recently listened to. Um, one is Believed about the Larry Nassar, uh, Olympic gymnast, uh, guy who molested, uh, like hundreds of girls throughout his uh, career as a uh a doctor mm-hmm. um and it's like a it's like a it's just it's really well done and another similar one is called the dream another mm-hmm. podcast that i recently listened to um and it's about multi-level marketing mlms aka like lularoe young living essential oil you know I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> really? You don't know what MLMs are? It's no. like people that... Re- really? Oh my god. It's a pyramid scheme. Okay. You are in marketing. Uh, that's... Yes. But <laughs> but it's like a thing. It's like... um, Like a pyramid like, scheme. Okay, I got you. Well, you know how like... Do you know... You don't know about like LuLaRoe, the leggings and... Oh, the leggings. Yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah. So basically it's like these huge scams that take advantage of like uh women mostly um like stay-at-home moms um that sounds really interesting and they're basically like cults that take your money Mm. and are horrible but the podcast is really good i definitely recommend it's called the dream and the first one was called believed they're both really good and they have a similar vibe because they're just like short one-offs like almost like serial Mm -hmm. vibes Cool. Yeah. I'll check them out. I need more podcasts to listen to. I'm yeah. trying to get back into podcasts. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, up first is Night of the Living Dead. In 1968, a young filmmaker named George Romero introduced ravenous, reanimated ghouls to the American imagination in his film Night of the Living Dead. Although the word is never uttered in the film, Romero's zombies made a meteoric impression in horror. Night of the Living Dead spawned five subsequent sequels and lent its sinister, stumbling hordes to countless other films. 
In Romero's first film, we follow a small band of survivors hiding out in a farmhouse in rural Pennsylvania. Initially, we are led to believe that Barbara, a young white woman, will be the film's hero, but our sympathies and attention are soon usurped. Usurped? Fuck. Uh, I honestly don't know. Either sounds right to me, though. Okay, cool. Uh, By Ben, a resourceful black man whose shocking fate makes Night of the Living Dead an iconic horror classic. Mackenzie, was this your first time watching Night of the Living Dead? It was my first time. You know, I've seen the opening scene so many times. I've never seen you. Oh really? I've I've seen it so many times and so, like referenced so many times. Mm-hmm. I think it was in a music video I really liked in middle school. Um, but I so I was like I think I've seen this movie because I've seen the the scene in the graveyard so many mm-hmm. times. But this was my first time watching it, um, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, and I think I think what surprised me most about this movie was how dated it felt. Actually, like. The, the production quality. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I wasn't like, there are a bunch of like older movies that I really like. <laughs> this was like, not one of them. I feel like yeah. it, it was definitely like aged, you know? Yeah. And I feel like when we're still talking about a movie, you know, 40 years after it was made, it's mostly because it's often because it has this staying power or like resilience that makes it still applicable and relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie certainly does in some ways, but the, mm-hmm. the quality of the production, yeah, definitely aged. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I thought the music was very hammy, like, mm-hmm. I was wondering why watching it, has anyone ever rescored this movie? Mm-hmm. You know, like with some like gloomy synths, it would be like a totally different feel, I think. Yeah, you're And right. I'd be really interested to see if someone's done that because the, the scoring really, I think, was what dated it the most. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you caught this. I don't think I would have, um, but I think I, I read it on IMDb. There's this one scene. They apparently cut six minutes from the middle of the film. Oh so you're in the basement with the family who's down there, uh, the Coopers, mm-hmm. and the dad is talking, and then suddenly they cut eight minutes, so then suddenly his head is like, like snaps. Like, really? They, they cut it so fast. It looks really bad when you notice it. Um, so there's lots of weird stuff like that where yeah. it's like, this is definitely some college kid's first movie. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's also like kind of hard – I mean, it's just something that's been redone so many times. And like, yeah, that's true. Just, it's been like beaten to death. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and I think I expected some of it to be different plot wise. Um, I think that a lot of the action i mean i guess there's not as much action as you actually expect and that most of the movie is this tension from these people Mm -hmm. being in the same house together Mm -hmm. and i thought this watching train to busan as well that some of it kind of seems almost like it could be a play because Mm -hmm. it's everyone is in like one room together Mm -hmm. like all the Mm -hmm. characters are in one room like having Mm -hmm. a dialogue basically the entire Mm -hmm. time um yeah it reminded me of 12 angry men (laughs) yeah exactly this one especially um so the movie starts with this girl and her brother who are visiting their father's grave when a zombie sneaks up on them and uh attacks and kills the brother uh what did you think of the zombies i was surprised at how not uh they just looked like normal people i was surprised like like truly shocked because they 
when I think of like a vintage zombie, I think of sort of the image of the dead woman upstairs that they find who basically all of her skin has been eaten off her face. So it's just like her, those like huge eyes like bulging out of her skull because everything else is gone. That's like what I think of. But really, she wasn't even a zombie, which doesn't make sense that she didn't turn into a zombie also. But that's a whole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, everyone pretty much. It wasn't until like maybe halfway or even more that you saw some disfiguration of people's faces or mm-hmm. like gashes or wounds. Yeah. And I was reading that originally they, for the zombie look, they just wanted to black out people's eyes with makeup and mm-hmm. they didn't shoot the movie in order. So in some scenes, some zombies just have the black blacked out eyes. And then in other scenes, they're like have more makeup yeah. because they just kept changing their mind kind of through filming. So it's, I guess you could rationalize that as they're zombies in different like states of decay, but right, yeah. <laughs> I did think that what was sort of uh, interesting to think about was like the eating of the flesh was something that they took really seriously, and it's something that people don't really acknowledge that much in like more modern zombie movies. I think because it's something that's so like pervasive in our culture, we're like, ah, zombies. Yes, they like eat people but it's not something that people ever really like show in the movies yeah, you're that right. much it's more of just like a bite and then you're infected but this yeah. one like they were it was like a barbecue <laughs> they were just yeah like... you're, you're so right even just comparing it to train to busan mm-hmm. the zombies are like fast they bite you and then like once you become a zombie like you're just kicking it with them and running yeah. along and uh, <laughs> eating up new people but this is yeah really about like devouring another corpse and Mm -hmm. george romero apparently when was when he was thinking about making this movie he was like what's the craziest thing we could have zombies do Mm -hmm. and he was like eating people because Mm -hmm. apparently this is kind of like the first iteration of zombies in this way Mm -hmm. um which i found was thought was interesting that this is kind of i mean zombies have like cultural roots in um haitian culture Mm -hmm. but this is the first like reanimated corpses eating people i think uh i don't think well don't quote me (laughs) <laughs> i was it, told i told jenny that on the phone the other day and she's like you're wrong there's an older movie and then she could not back it up and then i can't back it up right now well there were there was something called like white zombie in the 20s or something but oh, yes yes i'm okay. not sure like what it was about or if they ate people or what because i don't know anything about it mm-hmm. besides its name so <laughs> we're um, so informed <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me that there are other like variations on zombies or even similar before this, but mm-hmm. I do think that this definitely like sparked what we now know as the zombie, even though he didn't say sure. that. Yeah, they don't say zombie in the movie. Yeah. Um. So the the movie does something. I think the most interesting thing the film does, um, honestly, is kind of fakes you out with Barbara who. You assume mm-hmm. it's going to be the protagonist of the film because you're with her from the beginning. Um, she's she's very catatonic and shocked after the death of her brother. And she kind of stumbles her way into this farmhouse where this man named Ben is already kind of barricaded um, and staying there. And really quickly, you we just like as viewers like latch on to Ben, who is super resourceful, kind of like an action hero, um, a leader in the house. And Ben becomes the protagonist of the film. And apparently the actor Dwayne Jones as Ben is the first black lead in a horror movie. Yeah. 1968. Yeah. Yeah. He's really cool. And Barbara sucks. Yeah. Barbara (laughs) does suck. Barbara, not to get 
this is probably going to sound really silly, but I think um, maybe this is sound silly. I don't know. I think like a contemporary read I had on this movie was <sighs> that Barbara was like white feminism and yeah. she was like ultimately paralyzed by indecision and mm-hmm. uh, couldn't like take any meaningful actions by herself. Yeah. I was yeah. like, Barbara is all the fucking white people, all, white women that voted for Trump and betrayed <laughs> their own fucking god i was like Barbara, yeah this is our stupid social idiot. justice warrior read on <laughs> <laughs> night of the living dead but for real though um i i read this book called shock value a few years ago and it was about like the history of horror and i remember reading about how the ending of this movie is uh ben is the sole survivor of the people the group in this house and he makes it all the way through the film defends himself against the zombies and then a rescue like group comes in the morning to the farmhouse made up of like white men and cops and they shoot Ben dead. And when I first read that, I was like, Holy shit, this, the, I had no idea night of the living dead was so political or it was taking this like, um, kind of controversial stance or, um, had making this ending this statement, yeah. making the statement. Yeah. But George Romero, and I believe him when he says this, says he had like no intention of making it political or even really intended it to be, controversial like he didn't even really know what he was doing which i i believe that he had no idea i I believe too (laughs) but with especially with like a modern audience it is like shocking to see yeah i i wish almost that i didn't know how it ended because i did know going Mm -hmm. in um but you know the reason i know is because of get out and jordan peele Mm -hmm. like i i don't know if i should i'm not gonna spoil the end of get out but like it something different happens. <laughs> yeah, damn it! I want to talk about though. it. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, and Peel apparently took a lot of inspiration from Night of the Living Dead. Uh, mm-hmm. This is he was quoted in the New York Times in an interview from February 2016, uh, where the interviewer basically said what I just said about how Romero didn't intend anything political. Uh, and Jordan Peele's response was, I partially believe Romero, but even if that's true, the way that the movie handles race is so essential to what makes it great. All social norms break down when this event happens and a black man is caged up in a house with a white woman who is terrified. But you're not sure how much she's terrified at the monsters on the outside or this man on the inside who is now the hero. Also, at the end of the movie, that's nothing if it's a white dude, which I agree with. And... um mm-hmm. The interviewer then asked, how would you compare Ben in Night of the Living Dead to Get Out's Chris? And Jordan Peele said, theoretically, their racial perspective is the very skill that helps them. You could write an interesting essay about how the lead in Night of the Living Dead is a man living in fear every day. So this is a challenge he is more equipped to take on than the white woman living in the house. Chris, in his racial paranoia, is onto something that he wouldn't be if he was a white guy and there's something similar going on. Which I thought was a really, like canny take on the connection between the two movies for sure yeah i i mean i could definitely and plus like i guess since we do talk about women in film Mm -hmm. all the women in this movie are horrible (laughs) yeah like they're just horribly they're they just do nothing yeah, and I was I was reading that apparently Barbara initially was going to be kind of more like actiony uh, and resourceful, but the actress like came in playing her that way, uh, shell shocked and kind of catatonic. 
which is not to say that's unrealistic. Uh, you know, but all of the other, like there's, so there's three like meaningful women parts and it's, um, Barbara, a blonde teenage girlfriend who I can't honestly remember if she speaks. She does, like she has like two lines. <laughs> She's very pretty. Her boyfriend is such a goob slash bad actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a mom, Helen Cooper, who probably has the most to say. I feel like she is also the most like with it. Yeah, she's definitely. she's the most like useful, which yes, isn't for sure. like saying much. But and her husband is like this cranky, oh, kind of racist guy, mm-hmm. Mr. Cooper, who questions Ben's abilities and leadership decisions, um, and he's kind of insufferable. Uh, he is just like an angry white dude. Did you read that? What I put in the doc about um. How Dwayne Jones experienced, like, yes. racism while filming. Yes, we, yeah. we should talk about that. Um, yeah, and it's, it's like, this movie was filmed in 1968, the same year that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. Like, he was apparently killed right before the movie came out. Um, so Dwayne Jones said that, so they filmed outside of Pittsburgh, and he said, we were driving through downtown Pittsburgh, of all places, and heading back to Duquesne, when all of a sudden we became very aware of the fact that there were some teenagers in a car following us. At first, we thought it was some of the young folks who were around the filming, and I looked back and I said, Betty, those are strangers. And then I looked back, one of them started brandishing a tire iron at me, and the paradox and the irony of that, I had been walking around brandishing a tire iron at ghouls all day long, and there was somebody brandishing a tire iron at me from a car, but in absolute seriousness. And that moment, the total surrealism of the racial nightmare of America being worse than whatever that was we were doing as a metaphor in that film lives with me to this moment, which is like a perfect way of putting it. That yeah, was... well, and then mm-hmm. it, it goes on to say Ben survived the night of the living dead, but could not survive America because he gets shot. By yeah. Cops at Fuck. The end. It's like I, I loved that line. Whoever wrote that. Yeah. I and it's like, kind Fuck. of I feel that like George Romero kind of like accidentally found his way into this really poignant ending. Like he had mm-hmm. no intention of it being yeah. a comment on race or America. I don't think. And I don't think so either. And it's just very like you can read this very, very poignant um, take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean. Oh. white guys just don't think about this stuff. So I'm uh, I'm watching True Detective Season 3, and I was reading that Nick Pizzolatto, whatever his name is, who's the showrunner and creator of True Detective, um, didn't initially intend for the main character to be a black man. And uh, Mahershala Ali uh, auditioned, and he was like, oh, I guess he could be black. And it's just so annoying because it's like this... If I think he, if he had, from the outset, intended the character to be black he would have been able to write a like a more meaningful character kind of because so mm. far there hasn't really i'm only two episodes in but the mm. re- references to hi- like him being a black man in arkansas as a cop in the 80s feel like kind of forced in because it's like oh he never intended for this character to i don't know mm. <sighs> yeah um did you think there was anything like shocking or scary in this movie still to a modern audience um, Other than Ben getting killed, I guess. Not really. I I was like tense, mm-hmm. but not scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely really tense, and it's the tension feels greatest between the people in the house, obviously, right. rather than the people outside or the yeah. zombies. Which outside. is like, uh, I feel like a lot of like 
horror is really good at that as just like building tension between characters i feel like yeah yeah like the like the humans you know like uh the the ordinary evil kind of rather than the supernatural evil yeah like bird box did you watch bird box <laughs> fuck yeah i did watch bird box uh maybe we should talk about it cuz i did not like it <laughs> i i thought it was so well i didn't not like it i was just it's like fine. this is like it definitely felt like, like an the... algorithm wrote it yes <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly it was like it was like the it reminded me of the mist a lot yeah it was like the mist plus a quiet place plus i don't know like other stuff probably yeah did you see the tweet that was like when you're watching bird box and you realize that sarah paulson and oh my god sandra bullock sandra bullock aren't a lesbian (laughs) couple it's like oh i know you think it for like the first like 10 seconds that they're together yeah and she's like gazing lovingly at her like pregnant yeah i'm like oh i'm so cute (laughs) i know sarah paulson is a gem yeah she's great uh okay uh do you have any other thoughts on night of the living dead before we move on not really i think that that about sums it up but i mean i think it's important that we talked about it since it is so uh pivotal and yeah seminal in the horror and especially the zombie obviously genre and because of its current social uh currency i feel like or like meaning definitely Um, yeah and it's funny that like my favorite part of the film is I like we said kind of an accident on the yeah based on the intentions of the creator. Uh, for that reason, I will give it a five. <laughs> Fuck, it feels really wrong to give like something in the canon a five, but I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'll give it. I'll give it a. Five too. That's nice. I was gonna almost go with four and a half, I heard but you. I was I heard like, it I on guess the tip of your tongue. <laughs> yeah, I, I because we like oh like Train to Busan, which I love yeah, so much. That's true. To it, like I have to give it at least a five. Mm-hmm. So. Train to Busan is a 2016 South Korean zombie movie directed by Yun Sang-ho. In it, we follow workaholic father Siak-woo, who is accompanying his young daughter Su-on on a train ride to see her mother when a zombie outbreak derails their journey. In Train to Busan, the zombies move fast, and so do your feelings, as Siak-woo and Su-on forge a heartfelt connection. So... What are your feelings, Bridget? Okay, so this is my first time watching it. You and my older sister, Julia, have been telling me it's great for a really long time. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was too long, but I think that about mm-hmm. virtually every movie. Because mm-hmm. at one point, I was like, God, these zombies, they really have killed just about everybody. <laughs> and I paused the movie. And I was like, oh, 40 minutes left. All right. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Wow, I just got really fucking distracted because an absolute stranger just sent me a Facebook message about the keto diet. Oh my god, that's an MLM, I'm sure. Tie-in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I really, really, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think the... I have enjoyed, like, every South Korean film I've ever seen, I think. I... 
Maybe you should like watch movies. some K-dramas. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I should. I, I know I should. I know in my heart of hearts that I should. Well, um, if you liked this and if you liked the actor, Oh, is he watch. is he in uh, K-drama? Goblin. He's the main person in Goblin. Wait, the father? He Yes. Oh, my That's God. That's why I love him so much. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Um, they reference it. They go to see Train of Busan in Goblin. That's and they're so like, funny. He's like, I have a good feeling about Korean cinema. Oh, that's so funny. This movie yeah. apparently was like one of the highest grossing uh, like horror movies in Korea, uh, which is cool. Um, I thought it was really, really well done. I liked the premise of it being on a train. I liked the, the emotional plot line uh, throughout mm-hmm. it. Um, I liked the supporting cast a lot. My favorite was, um, Song Hwa, the kind of like burly working class mm-hmm. guy whose wife is pregnant. Um, I, th- I loved him. He was my favorite. I really liked him too. He was great. Apparently he was the main actor's personal trainer. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. This. Oh my gosh. Uh, he's like ripped. He was ripped. Like, he kind of looks Secretly. like he's a little chubby, but then like yeah. he was like hauling ass on those zombies. I know. He like, the you think he's chubby until he's like all lead. And then he takes off his like jacket and a scarf. And then you like are like, like, oh, oh shit. Oh God. It's yeah. not chubby. Yeah. He was cute. I thought like, he and his wife were really, really cute. In my mind, so the backstory I created for them when I originally <laughs> thought that he was kind of schlubby was that they were like <laughs> Catherine Heigl and Zach, and uh, Seth Rogen and knocked up. <laughs> she's like very prim and yeah. cute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked them. Thought it was an excellent child actress. Yeah, she's so good. A so rare cute. find. So cute. Yeah. And her uh, little outfit. I know, her little what, outfit. What a great outfit. Adorable. <laughs> um, and another thing I'll have to say about this movie how the fuck did they get those zombies to act like that? I it was crazy. The choreography they must have been like dancers. That's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, they, they it was like probably really choreographed. You're right. It has to be dancers. It, yeah, because and it, it also like didn't incredible. look like CGI. But sometimes they would be like flipping their legs around and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was like they used just enough to make it like creepy, Believable. but yeah. yeah, yeah. So these zombies, unlike uh. Night of the Living Dead, they move fast. They uh, can run and jump and fall from great heights and rebound. Um, I wonder, and I could easily Google this, but instead I'll just think out loud. I wonder what the first movie to show with fast zombies was. Maybe like 28 Days Later. A lot of people talk, compared this movie to 28 Days Later, which I've never seen actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I've only I seen it once. That. It's really good. Yeah, I've heard. Um, but I definitely think that part of what makes like zombie scary and which has like gotten better over time because of like CGI and stuff mm-hmm. is like the thought of like hordes of zombies. Like they, I feel like they try to sort of do that in night of the living dead where there is like a bunch and they, like they do do it at, yeah, they do. And they do tr- like do it at certain points of the movie. Um, like where they're trying to get into like a close quarter or like trying to break through the door. But in Train to Busan, they kind of like, and other movies too, like World War Z did this too, but I think Mm -hmm. Train to Busan did it way better. But like, just like the mass of zombies is, they're just like, it's like crushing. And that's, that was like the scariest part for me. Yeah, definitely. That was the scariest part. Um, 
or any time when they were trying to like sneak around the zombies undetected was mm-hmm. stressful to me. Yeah. I did see many angry men in the IMDb reviews who were like, there's no way you could fight a zombie in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. I, I love know. when they're like, angry. like remember in Ginger Snaps, they were like, That's not how this a is not works. Where- Yeah, I was like, Shut- what the fuck, Oh, we dude? have a werewolf expert here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got his PhD in werewolves. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, some people can do that. Okay, and it's very legit. <laughs> um Yeah, uh, I saw a lot of comments like that and some people who were like, "You can't just hit a zombie and have it like get knocked out for a little bit," which they kind of did. Like that scene where they're trying to get yeah. through the one train car, they would just yeah. like hit a zombie and the zombie would be like, "Whoop!" and fall over yeah. and then they'd be like, "Keep going." But they have to do that. And they do that in so many action movies and shit. Yeah, you're like right. whatever. Like you're right. And I, David Ehrlich or whatever said that in his review too. And I was like, I was like, calm down. Like (laughs) it's whatever. (laughs) It is whatever. So, uh, David Ehrlich's review, who is a writer for IndieWire and I follow him on Twitter. Uh, he does not follow back, but I enjoy his tweets. Um, (laughs) he wrote that for almost 45 minutes, Train to Busan is on pace to become the best, most urgent zombie movie since 28 Days Later. And then, at once, both figuratively and literally, this broad Korean blockbuster derails in slow motion, sliding off the tracks and bursting into a hot mess of generic moments and digital fire. So he was basically saying that the latter half of the movie kind of relies upon, like, a little bit of, yeah, like, generic moments or stereotypes. And I feel like the introduction of that, like, villain, the Mm -hmm. businessman, was Mm -hmm. kind of a little broad i don't know what did you think so i disagree i mean i think that uh i agree with david Mm -hmm. i'll just call him our friend david (laughs) our friend david uh a little bit in the fact that it did uh kind of lose itself a little bit just because it did seem a little bit repetitive uh Mm -hmm. in the in the middle there i would say but i think that the uh like cast of characters was really like well uh cast <laughs> and just like planned yeah. out and i and i actually did like the villain because i i didn't think it was uh what david said in his review was that it was sort of um putting all the like villainy on to this uh businessman and mm-hmm. kind of making it easy for uh Siakou to get away with like because he's kind of a dick the dad mm-hmm. he's like a corporate guy and he doesn't he's a bad dad and he just is like a schmuck sort of um but i think that uh by introducing this villain it's almost like a reflection of what he could be becoming Ooh. if he continues on the same path that he's on That's an interesting and so take. i didn't think and i mean i think that the uh other guy what was his name again the good dad i feel like there was like mm-hmm. these two paths that he could sort of take and he, like, chose the right one and kind of, like, became a good dad. Yeah. So I didn't think I didn't think that it was, uh, like, I, I disagree with David in mm. that, like. <laughs> Generic. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah. that you're saying that, I can kind of see the different parts you're talking about. Like, um, uh, Songhua has this moment mm-hmm. with the main dad where he's like, you know, that's what being a dad is. Like, you do all the hard mm-hmm. work and you don't get any credit, which, like, I roll. But <laughs> yeah, I, know. I was like, whatever. This was a very pro dad movie. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately. I mean, we could, t- I like, and I do think, I mean, I love this movie so much, but I do think the women in it were let down. Underwritten for overall. sure. 
Yeah. Uh, I agree. Um, I thought it was interesting that the last three survivors comprise a nuclear family unit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of winnow our band of survivors down to just the main dad, Suan, the daughter, and the pregnant wife, um, Mm -hmm. Seong Kyung. Uh, And I thought that was interesting. Like we're left with this little like nuclear family for a while surviving together. And then Mm -hmm. the dad sacrifices himself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I hate to be one of these people because I saw a lot of people like this in the IMDb comments who were like, why did he fucking touch, get his hand in the zombie's mouth? Why did he knock him off while he was monologuing, while changing into a zombie? Mm -hmm. I agree. It's a little stage. They could have done it. So it was a little Mm -hmm. more of a surprise or I don't know. Yeah. Or just not. He literally puts his hand into his mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. Like they could have somehow made that more they believable. did such a good job choreographing the rest of the movie you'd think they'd put a little like more effort or yeah, like care and they're already into like that. teetering on the edge of a train it's like just knock yeah. that motherfucker off the train i know uh I yeah know. so that was a little frustrating but he sacrificed himself and then had a happy thought of holding his daughter for the first time did yeah. you cry i did cry yes 100 percent. i did cry too like I- probably at like many parts so yeah I, there there was another really sweet moment between this young ba- uh, baseball player and his a girl who has a crush on him. I kind of missed mm-hmm. that part, I think. I don't they know if both, I caught it. They ha- like have a crush on, they, on each other. They like each other. They like each other, but the guy's like pretending to be aloof. Oh, oh shit. Well, then she becomes a zombie and then she eats him. Yeah. Which is like a Even metaphor, her part, man. I was like. I know. Her whole thing was like, I'm a girl with all these baseball players. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just like. Yeah, like you said, all the women were under and and or stupid, like the fucking old woman who let the zombies into the train car. I don't think she was stupid. I think she was like, "Fuck all these people, they're horrible people. I'm gonna kill oh, all of you." I okay. think she 100 percent did that on purpose. And you know, I was thinking she wanted to be with her sister, and yeah. I was like, you know, <laughs> maybe you I would, if I, Jenny was or Julia were turned into zombies, I would open up the door. <laughs> um. Yeah. And I I do think she wanted to, like, murder all those people, too. Okay. That's, because I, I think that she blamed them for, make, they essentially, it was their fault that her sister got turned into a zombie. Because mm-hmm. they wouldn't open the door for her. You're right. Oh, they were such dicks in that moment. Yeah. That was terrible. I do, like, um, uh, one thing I think David Ehrlich says in his review is, like, that he's, like... It gets repetitive, like, how many times can people, like, how interesting can you make, like, going through a train car, like, Yeah, that's different. true. Yeah. And, but I do think the setting of making it in a train was, like, pretty elegant and well executed for the confines that it did uh, set for the movie. And I think that, like, for example, um, as they're moving through the train, uh, particularly the dad, the two dads... Uh, the good dad, the main dad, and the baseball player are moving through this train, and they're as they set out. Um, it's it the very first shot actually reminded me of another Korean movie that I really like, Old Boy. Have you mm, ever seen that? No, I haven't. I know I have to watch it. Well, whatever. But there's like this famous shot that you might have seen because it's like, like it's really famous Uh but he's like doing a fight and he has this hammer and it's by it's like to the side so you're seeing the whole thing almost like a play like you were saying Mm. um and so it reminded me of that so i think that's just a testament to how like the film is really beautiful but 
um, they go through this one train car and they're like kicking ass, taking names, Mm -hmm. crushing the zombies, whatever. And then they get through to the next car and like the music changes, it slows down and like everything changes because the car is full with the baseball player's teammates that are all zombies now. And I mean, if it's, it was like, like what a way to make something the same exact scene, like so different and so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like all these zombies are people. Yeah. We're people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So props, props for making the same exact thing. Like, (laughs) mean something like completely different yeah i mean i think yeah i think you're i agree with you it it, the the train setting uh really worked and um made things interesting in this movie for Mm -hmm. a very long time Mm -hmm. uh so i guess i'll just read this one star review and i (laughs) wonder if we should almost come up for like a segment name for when men are bored or dissatisfied with a movie's ending and so they speculate on how it would have been better if the woman had died, if there I had know, not been a I female c- survivor. Because this is like, believe- we have read a few of these on this show. I know. And in this one, it's like, fucking weird. I, he's okay. just, he's just bored, really. Yeah. Like, it's not like she's annoying. They're annoying. Yeah. It's just, he just oh, wants this, them to I die because oh, of like his own, like, I know that what we malice. do in this podcast is talk about movies, but people sound dumb as shit when they're talking about movies sometimes. <laughs> like this guy says in the beginning of his review on IMDb. The beggar character's heroic move at the climax makes no sense. He had always been portrayed as cowardly. Therefore, the sudden 180 degrees change is not convincing at all. It's like, no shit, dumbass. That's called character development. (laughs) Then he says, "Um, let's not forget the laughable ending. The little girl suddenly felt like singing after the disaster. Yeah, comma, very interesting. It would have been so much better if the soldiers had killed both the pregnant woman and the girl. That kind of dark ending would have made an impact. The current one in the movie is ridiculous. Like, first of all, have you ever been a little girl whose father was brutally killed by a zombie? No. Then you have no fucking idea what it would be like. She and could also, sing. Like, was he paying attention, dipshit? He learned the song. She she learned the yeah. song to sing to her dad, and she never got to do it. I know. And so she was doing it. Also, <laughs> why do you want to see a pregnant woman and a little girl die so badly? Yeah. You just saw a bunch of other people die from zombies. Although, to be honest, I do agree about the beggar thing. Yeah, you think it was too forced? I, I thought a lot of the ways that they ended up killing off the final characters was not great. Like, I didn't like how the baseball mm. people died. I didn't like how the beggar died. I didn't like how the main guy died. I like Oh, or the nice dad when he died. Oh, yeah. so sad. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. It was a little too rapid fire at the end there with killing off people they did such a good job of building all the characters up and then kind of did a disservice to how they were killed i think yeah and um david ehrlich kind of touches upon this and uh you can definitely tell that the director had uh wanted to make a comment on like different uh social classes in the movie too uh you know the the film begins with everyone on this train is so uh, all the train employees like want to get this homeless man off the train and they're mm-hmm. so concerned with this homeless man illegally being on the train that they're mm-hmm. like overlooking this zombie girl who got on the train. And yeah. then later, you know, there's other comments about it between the like working class father and the main father uh, about how he's like a blood sucking trust fund manager. 
Um, so they're, they're not really subtle about it, but uh, I think that was interesting, especially with a zombie movie because you Mm -hmm. kind of have these like masses of, uh, people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think they worked it in well, like as far as, uh, Siakwu, like being the main guy and being like a, like corporate guy. I feel like it worked as, as a commentary. Yeah, I agree. I liked it. I like this movie a lot. Me too. Uh, I'm really happy you picked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and rate it? Sure. I'll give this movie, you know, I'll go with like an eight. <laughs> nice. I'm going to go with a seven. I really liked it. Zombie movies in general aren't my favorite. Uh, mm. I don't think, but I really love the performances. I love yeah. the 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 plot it was great it was really really mm-hmm. good to watch and yeah yeah i i mean i agree i feel like zombie movies aren't my favorite either but the characters are just all so there's so many and i feel like when someone tries to make a movie about so many different people it's like ends up being bad mm, that's true <laughs> but it really works in this one so. yeah it definitely does well thank you guys yeah. for listening it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on February 4th and we'll be discussing Rosemary's Baby and Hereditary. Very, very excited to rewatch Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, well, I just watched it, so no, I'll, I'll rewatch it again. And, yeah. and Rosemary's Baby. And Rosemary's Baby. A got a lot to dive into there. Um, yeah. Chick Flicks <laughs> is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to Chick Flicks. Thank you guys. Bye, Mackenzie. <laughs> Bye. And the music is like. Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo.